you or someone you love needs help for an addiction, where do you turn? Foundations Recovery Network offers individualized treatment for the whole person. Our goal goes beyond short-term sobriety. We address substance abuse and co-occurring mental health issues together, providing a firm foundation for long-term recovery. The first step is often the hardest, but we're here with a free assessment, insurance information, and treatment options. Our confidential helpline is available 24-7, so call 877-714-1318 and discover the Foundation's Recovery Network difference today. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. What's up? Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. And thanks to you for supporting the show. Do I need a sponsor? That's a question I have asked myself many times. And I've also had it um, proposed to me many times, uh, especially in some of the emails that we get um, here at Sober Guy. And I think it's a very valid question. And if you don't know, um, if you've never had a sponsor, if uh, if you've never worked with uh, anybody one-on-one before, um, it can be intimidating a bit, I guess, and it can be um, it can be a bit of kind of like jumping into the unknown. So today, I'm really excited, really pumped up uh, to introduce you to a good friend and mentor of mine, Buddy C. Um, Buddy is also my sponsor, and Buddy is all the way out in Georgia. For those of you. Um, who don't know, I'm in Northern California, uh, representing the recovery movement in the Bay Area, all the way up to Sacramento, and really just uh, in, in Northern California in general. And I'm really honored to to be able to, to do that up here. Uh, it's my home. I've been here forever. And it's amazing to me. There's a lot of good resources, ton of good sponsors, ton of good people out here. It's amazing to me that somehow Buddy and I were connected Um you know, and we talk a little bit about this in the episode, he's all the way in Georgia and I'm all the way out in, in Cali and we connect and we've started to build this relationship and he's helping me work through the steps. And, uh, it's just been a really amazing thing and I'm excited to share it with, with you guys today in hopes that uh, buddy can help provide some insight into, um, a little bit about himself and then also what, what it is to be a sponsor and what it is to be a sponsee and how that can kind of help guide uh, people on the right track, uh, to, to getting sober and, and, uh, more importantly, staying sober. So we're going to get into, uh, talking to buddy in just a minute. First, I want to tell you about DXRX. Do you want to stop or reduce your drinking? It's your treatment, your goals, your life. DXRX is a new treatment that provides access to alcohol treatment specialists, safe medication, and ongoing monitoring for people who want to stop or reduce their drinking all through a simple phone app. Let me tell you a little bit about how it works. So you go to DXRX. If you go to thatsoberguide.com, there's a link in the right-hand column. You can click on that link and it will take you to their site and uh, you can do a quick test on there and you can find out what your level of drinking is. You can find out kind of where you're at and you can start the process of getting some more information. You're going to speak with one of their physicians and it's going to create a treatment plan that fits your lifestyle. They monitor your progress with a breathalyzer and the DXRX mobile app. And they also offer and provide safe, effective, non-habit-forming medicine that will ease alcohol cravings. So go to thatsoberguide.com, check it out on there, um, and uh, and provide us some feedback too. Please send us an email, tell us what you think about it. If you did go check it out, we would love to hear. Also want to give some love to Foundations, once again, Foundations Recovery Network. They're back on board uh, supporting the show and uh, we just, we, we love them. We've built a great relationship with them. They're some awesome people and um, they have a ton of good resources. You can find all those resources out at foundationsrecoverynetwork.com. So thanks again to them. And then also real quick, and we're going to jump into Buddy. 
Uh, in just a minute, I just want to give a little love to Sober Nation. Uh, Tim over at Sober Nation and their team is doing some great things, and uh, they help support the show on on SoberPodcast.com. There's a, a plethora of podcasts on there. Awesome, awesome content. You can support the show by uh, supporting us on Patreon. It helps um, helps us provide the best no bullshit free recovery content. So please uh, hop on that soberguy.com and uh, click on the link there and support us there. You can also, last thing, you can also help support us by leaving us a review on iTunes. Um, that's really one of the best ways. And I really do greatly appreciate all the awesome reviews that we get. So thank you again. Here's Buddy C. All right, what's up? Thanks for tuning in today. Today's guest, I'm honored to have him on. Uh, it's been a long time coming, I guess, but uh, at the same time, I think everything happens in due time and in the right moment. So today I am uh, very excited to announce a friend of mine and also my sponsor, Buddy C. Buddy, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks, Shane. Uh, happy to be here, my friend. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. Uh, we've had some, uh, some, some great conversations, uh, some great insight. And uh, I've learned a lot of things since we started working together. When, when did we start? In November, I think, maybe? October, November, somewhere yeah, around we, there. Yeah, we started, I think we started talking uh, last summer some. Yeah. Is that right? And then we yeah. started, uh, We you, you committed uh, in the fall, and then, then yeah. we got started on a weekly basis, I think, from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pretty cool, man, how it happened. Um, almost by, I'd like to say accident, but I think there's definitely a bigger uh, a bigger picture than that. Um and maybe that's something, how, how did we actually, how did we meet? Like, let's kind of jump. I don't even think we've ever talked about that on a private call yet. Was it through O's podcast through the share podcast? I know you've been on O's show before. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it was, um, uh, when you were doing the weekly, um, the, um, uh, the, the webcast you did. Yeah. The meetings, like the weekly meetings yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I came to that a couple of times and then, uh, I heard you on a podcast and you, it just, what you were taught, you were, I think you were, you were struggling with the whole fight of everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, and I kind of responded in an email cause it really spoke to me and I, huh. and I said, maybe I got somebody I can share with him that would help him on that. Yeah. And then, uh, we got to talking after that. And I think was, if I remember correctly, that was how it, how it happened. And we just started chatting and figured out God was putting us together, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. And, um, I think that's that's a great point you bring at the end, God putting us together, because I think I've talked about this a couple of times before when I've had two two uh, quote unquote sponsors that I previously worked with and they were both good, good dudes. But man, there was just something that that just didn't it just didn't work, you know, and maybe it was me internally, you know, messing it up. I don't know. In this case, when you and I kind of got together, we started uh, just kind of chatting it up and it just kind of fell into, into place, man. Kind of like one of those loving relationships, you know, that you just, uh, you, I saw Buddy's eyes and I looked deep into them. <laughs> Buddy's going, man, come on, man. What's yeah. going on here? Nah. But it was, it was cool, man. It was just like, it, it was something that, um, that, that just, I, I really do believe God kind of connected us in that way, man. And it's been a cool thing, man, to, to get to know you. And uh, I just greatly appreciate um, the time that you give, not only to me, but for those of you who don't know out there listening, Buddy, um, you know, sponsors a number of different uh, dudes out there and uh, is doing a lot of good things. So why don't we kind of jump into that, man? Tell us about uh, a little background about yourself and about uh, what you're up to today. Sure. Um, you, you know, before we do that, though, Shane, you know, that's just God doing it for you. He he brings you who you need when you need it, you mm-hmm. know, and it, and that's all part of that. Just learning to let go of this deal. And we yeah. learn to do that and everything, you know, uh, I really started looking for a spiritual solution when I was 13 years old. Hmm. Um, I start, I got, um, and this is, we, I'll talk some Bible stuff because I know you, you're, you have a Christian base with what you do. And if I'm, if I sponsor several guys in AA and we don't talk Bible, if they're not, if they're yeah. not Christian, I don't talk Bible. I yeah. talk all AA. So I'll be a little more, I mean, I never even talked to any of them about this. Uh-huh. Uh, but, um, uh, I got saved, uh, filled with the spirit, got involved in a, in a, in a little spirit spirit-filled church in our local community, uh, very active in my early teens and, uh, all through high school. Um, I didn't drink, didn't, um, I, I can count on one hand the times I smoked pot and 
you know, all that stuff in high school. So, I mean, it's, you know, I was very straight laced through, very involved in church, yeah. uh, that whole time up until, um, I didn't really start drinking heavy until I got in my late, twenties uh, when uh, I'm so, 51 now. So in high so, school, it was just kind of, just kind of testing the waters out a little bit, yeah, Maybe a little smoke bit, a little just a time or two, you know, yeah. and then I'd get back in church, you know, that kind of thing, you yeah. know, I'd say, man, this yeah. isn't for me. And I'd, I'd feel bad about it. Like I was going to hell. So I'd get back <laughs> in church. So I'd feel better about it. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That kind of, you know, bribe with heaven and blackmail with hell kind of deal. Yeah. You know, <laughs> my feet started getting warm and I said, oh, yeah. I better get back and I'd smoke repent. Pot, you're going back. to hell. <laughs> that's it. You know, <laughs> Yeah, that's, crazy, <laughs> that's how they man. kept us in line, you know, yeah. they threatened us well, well, that's kind of that law that, that law versus uh, spirituality, I guess, huh? Or the law of God. Um, I mean, not that there's not a law of God, but um, interesting. Anyways, go it ahead, is. It, it is because what happens a lot of times, I think, is that uh, um, uh, folks don't know what to do with freedom, so they try to restrict it. Yeah. And in restricting it, they think they're helping, and they could be. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, for me, uh, I stayed in church all through high school on from there, and and had a um, pretty uneventful, you know, all those years. And then uh, what really got me um, toward alcohol was uh, when I was in business in my late 20s, I started having some business pressures and stresses hmm. that my relationship with God really did not help. And uh, so I started drinking heavier and heavier as a coping mechanism. And then I found that I could get some relief when I drank. So, uh, so I thought, gosh, I said, this is okay. And, uh, by then I knew, you know, I really wasn't concerned with the, with the heaven hell issue, you know, at that point, <laughs> yeah, I kind of, kind of a little more basis in my relationship with God than that. But what happened was alcohol turned on me and all of a sudden I was drinking all of the time. And if I wasn't drinking, I was wanting to drink, Yeah, you know? So, so that was, that was the whole deal. And, and so it had me, you know, what they say that, uh, you have a drink, the drink has a drink and the drink has you. Yeah. And, uh, that's the progression, you know, and that's what happened. And so, and I was trapped and, and I what will you, say, what that, did you drink? Uh, 90 proof Smirnoff. Some vodka and mix it with a little something or not, did you drink not it just straight vodka, or? not just silver, silver yeah. label, 90 proof. Yeah. I'd skip if he didn't have it, I'd go to another liquor store and find it for whatever reason. I resonated to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, uh, uh, so it I, comes I, like, I, almost, I, it's almost like ritualistic huh? in a sense. Like it's like you're, um, I don't know. You get so fixated on this certain way and have control over that certain way that it has to be like that. And you're willing to drive across town to go get the other, even though there's yeah. other choices, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you know? And, and so, um, uh, I would, you know, I, I, I was an orange juice guy until I, I put on some weight and then I want to lose weight. So I, I looked online on all the diets that I could do and still drink. And, uh, <laughs> the only one was Atkins and I had to switch my mixer from orange juice to uh, crystal light lemonade. So. <laughs> <laughs> to watch the weight there, you know, Hey man, you were being creative, you know, what, what the hell? Hey, you know, I, and I lost, you know, eight or 10 pounds and then I got yeah. pancreatitis. Oh, and man. so, uh, uh, put me in a hospital. I had, um, they told my wife that I had a 50, 50 chance of living to go pick out my pallbearers. Really? Yeah. And I was, uh, we haven't talked about that. I yeah, think. no, we haven't, uh, I haven't heard that. I was this 36 when it happened. That was Oh one. So is that right? Um, yeah, I was 36. So that happened. I had several, I had two surgeries. I was in the hospital a total of six weeks off and on over the course of the next four months, five months. Uh, I went from a hundred and, uh, uh, 93 to 133 pounds. Damn. Damn. Yeah. What's that? And 50 I came pounds? out, I'm 175 now. Yeah. yeah I'm 175 pounds. now. And, um, you know, I'm healthy at 175. Yeah. And I was down to 133 pounds. Damn. Came out, came out and was drinking again within a couple of months. Really? After having all those health issues and the doctor basically saying like, you're going to die pretty much if you continue. Yeah. I lost 90% of my pancreas and they had to do a surgery and take a piece of my intestine and tie it in to where my pancreas used to be. Really? For weeks, I had two tubes coming out of my stomach, draining pseudocyst bags outside of my stomach. Damn. So you can actually see, you when, are those bags up? Like you can see the shit coming out of your yeah. stomach? Yeah. There was a tube coming out of my stomach out of a hole in two oh. places. Wow. 
and uh what's alcohol the recovery had such a hold. what's the recovery process on that like i mean are you in the hospital for a couple months or yeah i was in the hospital the longest stint was two weeks and then they did a surgery to fix it oh i see so that was what the second surgery was for so what's to fix that when you're when you're in that spot like that are you um at least at that point are you still thinking man, I need to change some things? Or are you thinking, I can't wait to get the hell out of here so I can go get my 90 proof? No. <laughs> <laughs> or is what, it a mix? What, what I was thinking was that, you know, alcohol really was not my problem. It had to be uh, something else. <laughs> man, it's so baffling, it's, I guess, right? It I'm is, it book. is. It really is, you know. So uh, so I would, uh, uh, so, so I got out and for months I didn't drink. Doctor said, hey, if you drink, you're probably going to die. You don't need to drink anymore. Yeah, and uh, he said, how much did you drink? Uh, and I said, nah, I drank, you know, I was pretty honest. I mean, I was on pain pills at the time, so I was a little more honest than I'd normally be. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, I said, uh, I drink a gallon of, uh, Smirnoff a week. And, uh, he said, he said, that's what it was. He said, that was your problem. He said, 40% of the time it's alcohol and 40% it's uh, gallbladder huh. and 20% they just don't know. And so, uh, I assume it's the alcohol. So uh, I can tell you some disgusting, uh, I mean, some really bad, I mean, it, it was just bad. It was awful. But uh, I, uh, I got out, and for months I didn't drink, and then slowly, I remember one time I stopped and got a, got a tall boy beer to drink. I only drank beer when I was thirsty or on my way to the <laughs> liquor store, you know? Yeah. And so I drank, me a, drank a tall boy with a pain pill, and I said, oh, that, that's so good. I said, maybe I can have another one. And so... A few days later, I went and got another beer, and before long, I was back at the liquor store getting a getting a bottle right. of liquor. So, uh, and then um, did you, you kind know, of did, did you kind of try to j like justify that? Well, I'm just going to drink beer now because that's like, like a common one that you hear a lot. Like, well, maybe I'll. The doctor says, you know, vodka is really jacking me up, and or you know, whatever it is, whiskey, whatever, mm -hmm. really jacking me up. Said I could die eh, if I kind of switch over and I just drink wine or I just drink beer. Uh, maybe that will, um, you know, that'll still give me the same effect that I'm looking for, but it's not as bad on my health. It, I mean, do you, did you kind of justify it like that or was it just, no, I knew it was, I knew it, didn't it was, matter. No, it didn't matter. <laughs> At least you're honest. So, so I just, uh, I went on and I ended up, um, uh, uh, eventually getting in AA. My wife gave me some consequences and said, Hey, you, you get your crap together or, yeah. or else. And so, um, I ended up, uh, I was actually at the um, uh, out at the lake. It's an hour from where we live, and and I had some Xanax, and I popped some Xanax and drank some vodka, and woke up in jail. So really, yeah, yeah. So I had a, my one DUI that I got. Oh, I see. And this was in November of '02, or that was in September of '02. So um, anyway, had that to deal with. At that time, I said, you know, I got to make a change because yeah. everybody's on my on my tail, and I got to do something here. So. Uh, so that's when I started going to counseling and going to, you know, all those things and work to, uh, uh, work to start in AA at that point. Was that, and I went to a, I'm sorry. Was that the thing that kind of pushed you over the, the DUI? It was. Was that like the was. breaking point kind of? The legal consequence yeah. because, you know, here I am, woke up in jail and the whole deal going on. I was embarrassed and, you know, for me in business, I'm, uh, I'm in the real estate business and had been for a number of years. This happened in a neighboring town, so no one even knew that it had happened. And a lot of people here still have no clue it ever happened. So, uh, so I didn't have to. I didn't have that shame to deal with yeah. in my hometown. You know, so it was a neighboring town, so it was a neighboring county. So it all happened over there. But, uh, but there was still shame with it, you know, and I still regretted it. But I, I saw something had to change. Yeah, had to change. So, so that's when I went to started going to AA then, and. Um, it was still just a step forward six years of in and out of AA uh, before I was able to start putting any time together. Do you remember your first meeting? Yeah, I do. What, what uh, was that? What was that like? I have a lot of questions, you know, about AA and about what yeah, I, I don't, of course I, yeah. you know, I don't Go like ahead. the meeting for this, what, you know, this reason, or I, I love the meeting for this reason. I'm just curious what your first experience was like. Well, I was whipped when I went to my first meeting or thought I was, you know, and um, I it, I went to a neighboring town, the same town I got the DUI and I went to a meeting over there 
Sure. And because uh, I wasn't going my hometown, trying to hide out a little bit. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so it's thirty you miles also, away. You also had a lot of responsibility, you know, with your um, with your job at the time too, right? So I mean, there's that. Yeah, I was, I was self-employed of, with a lot of business things, and people trusted me with a lot of money and yeah. different things. So I, I felt, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, I, I I thought I was a lot more important than I was, <laughs> and so so I, I thought I needed to protect my reputation, yeah. you know. Yeah so to speak. So, uh, but I went and the guy leading that, that was the first time really I ever got hope that it would work for me hmm. because I saw someone who said they drank like I drank. I believed them and because I drank at home, I didn't drink around anyone. So I did my own thing and I didn't think anyone else drank or had the same, uh, issues I had. I just didn't know anyone that did. So, um, this guy did, and he, um, he didn't seem to be as smart as I was. So I said, you know, if this guy can get it, I know I can, uh, you know, Shane, I've had three different sponsors and I had the sponsor I needed at the time for me. Everyone had their purpose. Um, uh, my first guy I had was a, um, retired army air traffic controller. He went, he was in and out of the program for years before he got sober. And just like I was going to do, you know, it was like God doing for me and putting me together with the right people before I had even a clue as to yeah. what was going on, you know, and like it was all by design and not my design. Yeah. You know, cause I'd never, I, there, that's so much more than I could even figure out, you know? And so, um, he helped me through for those six years that I was in and out, in and out, in and out. I would try and I'd go a week or a month or I think one time I even went eight or 10 months and I never got a year and then I would drink again. Then I would drink again. And uh, it was just back and forth, back and forth. I kept going back to AA the whole time because I knew for me, AA was the answer. And I knew that if I kept going, you know, whether I was getting getting it or not had no bearing on what the answer was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. it wasn't about, oh, it didn't work for me. Well, I know it, I knew it worked and I knew it would work for me eventually, but you know, and, and then I eventually figured out what I was missing. I really hadn't prayed the prayer huh. and the prayer is God get me sober regardless of what it takes. Do what it takes. I'm done. You know, yeah. that kind of, uh, that kind of honesty and that kind of willingness and that kind of sincerity and that kind of powerlessness Yeah. that it took six years of alcohol beating me up back and forth before I was ready to pray that prayer. And you know, when I heard my, and I, I prayed every day, I asked God to help me with it. I mean, it wasn't like I didn't do any of those things. I did all that yeah. before you got in AA, you yeah. know, <laughs> I mean, I was involved in a church when I was drinking heavy, you know, and I was like, I can't get it. There's something I'm missing. I talked to my pastor about it. I mean, all those things. Yeah. And I never could, it was like the connection between me and God just was not there. I mean, it was gone. Yeah. So I didn't know how to make that connection, you know? And so, um, once I prayed that, you know, it's funny when I heard myself pray it and I thought, crap, am I really, that's not what, what I thought, but we're keeping it clean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crap, did I really just pray this? You know, I heard it coming out of my mouth. I heard it with my ears coming out of my mouth and I wanted to take the words and pull them back, you know, yeah, yeah. because I said, I don't know if I want that. I'm not ready for that. I'm sitting here, not ready for that after all the consequences. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess the, the, because I can remember similar thoughts like that. The, the thought of having to, um, to give up that crutch, you know, that thought of mm-hmm. having to give up, um, my tool or my outlet that I've known for so long. It's like a girlfriend almost, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like who, who do I turn to when I really am feeling like, like crap, you know, or when I'm feeling really good, I turn to some drinks or some, some dope or whatever, you know, the, the choice might be at that time. And so the thought of giving that up, um, man, that's just kind of hitting me right now too. I mean, that is the true surrender of it. Like I'm ready to give that up and, and let something else come in to offer me. Right. Exactly. You know, I got a guy that I'm working with that's doing the same thing I was doing. And I said, well, have you prayed the prayer yet? He said, what prayer? And that one. Yeah. You know, have, have you told God, regardless of what it takes, you want to get sober? He said, oh, no, I'm not. I said, until you're ready to pray that, I said, you're going to keep drinking. Huh. I said, you really don't have a choice. I said, you need more alcohol to 
get you into willingness, you know, to submit, <laughs> to make you submit, to beat you up some more, you know? So what, he, what do you tell somebody who has an issue with, with God? And so maybe they're, maybe they're coming from the approach of a higher power or whatever their approach is. Maybe it's just not right. God. How do you, how do you approach that whack with a, with a sponsee? Well, there's a couple of ways that, you know, I've really, I've, I've prayed over that and listened to different people talk about it. And when we talk, when I talk to a sponsee, uh, you know, the first thing that we talk about, we start going through the steps almost immediately yeah. because uh, we got to get down to the reasons why they drank, you know. And 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 one thing that I've learned uh, that you can do some substitutions in the steps, huh. like when you see the word higher power or God, you can substitute the word truth for that, hmm. or you can substitute the word love would be another thing because God is love. So you can support, you can substitute love. Either one of those will help lead you lead folks normally in the right direction. And and what there's a lot of the program you can work without a God belief. Huh. You know, like, for example, uh, the powerlessness. OK, there's things you can control and things you cannot control, no matter if you believe in a God or not. Uh, and eventually what people start with is they can believe in the room or AA is their God. That there's people there that it's worked for them, so maybe it will work for me. That there's a God and it's not me is another place that you can go. You can believe that the that the surroundings around you that 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 there's a positive force that's more than you, yeah. and that that will help. You know, you can even you can take it as far out there as you want to. You know, and I, I try to be patient with people and not impose my belief. That's that's a great thing about AA that I have found is that. Uh, uh, they tell you you've got to believe in something other than yourself, but they never tell you what that has to be. So you have you have free choice to do that, and and ultimately, you know the the mission of it is to understand that there is a power greater than ourselves, right? And that's really right. the the bottom line to it. Yeah, and I've had Christian friends that have had problems with that. You know, said, "Hey, why, why don't you know they don't say Jesus, so I'm not interested in it." And I want to say, who the hell cares, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to say, because you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, I think God is quite all right with that as long as we just oh, crack the door. You know, one of the one of the teachings say, if you just crack the door of willingness, that's all you have to do to make a start. Yeah. You know, because that's what it takes is, is just to start the willingness and believe in something other than yourself. And I think God comes in there and, you know, and I don't understand it, Shane, because yeah. I was taught. Hey, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you, if you, if you, you know, if you, if Jesus is not Lord of your life, God ain't doing anything for you. You know that that's just the way I was taught from small. You know, and so me seeing God do miraculous things in people's lives that have no belief in Jesus whatsoever, and I'm like, how is this working? I don't understand it. And I, and I try to, I said, well, wait a minute. It's one of those things that that that's way above my pay grade. I don't even try to figure that yeah. out. Uh, what, what I try, what I've learned to do is share what's happening in my life. They call it your experience, strength and hope, and then leave the, leave the rest up to God, you know? Yeah. And, and if somebody gets it great, if they don't, I don't try to tell anyone what to do. I'll usually start a conversation with, well, this is what happened with me, you know, or this is, this is how I did it. And when I talk to my sponsor, that's what he says. He says, you know, uh, this is how I did it in my experience, you know, this or this. And my first sponsor told me, he says, you know, he says, you go into meetings. He says, you keep your mouth shut. He says, you have nothing that they need. <laughs> I said, what? He says, you don't need to be talking. He, and then, then when I finally started talking, he would, he would, after the meeting, he'd pull me aside. He says, what, what you said wasn't right. I said, <laughs> he said, what you said was this, and that's not the way it really is. It's really like this, yeah. you know. Yeah. And he just stayed on my behind the whole time. But I, I tell sponsees that they're supposed to uh, – they go to meetings to hear experience, strength, and hope. They don't have much yet. So they don't need to hear their inexperienced weakness and despair. You know, they need to save that for me. That's why they have a sponsor is because they go to a meeting to share what's working in their life for the newcomer or for the other person who needs it. Yeah, and that's, I, that's why you're there. That, that's a really good point too, because I think that 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 can tend to get even in um, even in groups that's not a twelve step group. I've been in other groups too, um, where you know it, it maybe maybe it's a um, well. I'll leave the specifics out of what kind of group, but um, point being is that we're not there 
to share all of our dirt stories and all of our stuff that, well, this is why this is going down. And, and, and I think that when you get caught in a situation like that, um, and to your point, it's there to show the positiveness to the newcomer that can be a big turnoff for people. And they can, you know, they, they may say, well, you know what? I'm not that bad or I'm not, you know what I mean? That's not, this isn't for me. And then they may never come back because of one bad experience. And we hear a lot about that in the church, in 12 step, you know, meetings and um, just in life in general. So I really like that you point that out that um, it's not about, you know, going, going to something and, and necessary, it's not a counseling session, right? It's not, no, a, go, go find a therapist if that's what you need. Right. Um, and I'm not right. saying don't be open and we can't talk about our feelings and stuff. I mean, there's a, there's a line between that, but, um, I think that's really important to point out. You, you know, and also too, you know, that, that's why we have sponsors in, in AA and, and I believe by the way that you can get sober a lot of different ways, not just AA, but that's, that's what's happened for me. So, but so anyone, any direction that works for them is fantastic. You know, I have no problem with that at all, but, uh, NAA, that's why we're taught to get a sponsors because they're the ones we tell our secrets to, you know, they're the ones that can really help us. When we go to a meeting and we just throw up all over the meeting, which I see happen, uh, you know, that a meeting makes a poor sponsor because a lot of people use a meeting for their sponsor, you know, mm-hmm. and then they, you don't ask for advice in meetings, you know, you, you go there to share your experience, strength and hope so that the newcomer or someone who's in need can hear what they may, may need, you know, yeah. it's why you're there. You're, you're not there. Even, even if you go to pick up a chip, that's not for you. That's for you to show how it's working for you to encourage the newcomer. So what, if you, when you hear the question, I know I've heard the question. I don't know if you have, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that you have, why, why do I need a sponsor? Um, mm-hmm. what, what would your advice be or your opinion or your thought on why somebody needs a, a sponsor and the importance of a sponsor? Uh, I'll tell you why I need a sponsor back I, to my experience. Okay. I love it. Uh, why, why I need a sponsor is that I need a guide. I need, I need someone who can hear the things I'm thinking because in my head, things sound so good yeah, <laughs> or so bad. And when I get them out and I can talk to them to someone in confidence, I, I can see them clear. And I have someone who has experience in the things I have experience in and in, in applying the program and practicing the principles. And they can tell me in their experience how they handled similar situations. And it's all life stuff. You know, if you look at the steps, only the first one and the last one mention alcohol. The rest don't even mention alcohol. Yeah, yeah. It's because this is about a program for living, a design to help you with everything that goes on in life. So if you have a life problem, they've probably had the same problem in some form. So because we all have the same problems. You know, they just manifest different ways, you know, and we have anger to deal with or we have a resentment to deal with or somebody cuts us off in traffic or, you know, we get pissed off at our wife or we whatever the case, you know, but all that stuff is normal stuff that we all have. And then once we verbalize it, then we look at it and analyze, Okay, what is my part? Uh, This is how I'm being selfish. This is what and this is how we correct it. This is the tool we use to correct that, you know, and Let's uh let, let's kind of pinpoint on that part because you said something I think that's really important there. In any situation, whether it's something that is as simple as um you know getting pissed off at somebody for cutting you off or whatever, to maybe a more specific um, past situation that something terrible has happened mm-hmm. to somebody, um, right? How do we come to that that realization and start to address the fact of what was my part in it, even if. Because that, that's a big part of the healing process, right? That's a big part of keeping, when, they, when we talk about keeping our side of the street clean and cleaning mm-hmm. those messes up, is taking that personal responsibility. And it's a very, very uh, difficult thing to do, especially if it's something that is, that's a, a traumatic event. Um, how did you deal with something like that uh, in your own you know, personal experience and taking that self-responsibility? That, that's, uh, that's why I'm... I think it's important that you work the steps and work them quickly Um, because all the promises, if you go to an AA meeting, most of the time they read the promises at the first of the meeting, how great, wonderful everything's going to be. Yeah. 
what people don't realize is what they're reading is is uh, that that you'll be amazed when you're ha- by the time you're halfway through what they mean is halfway through the ninth step. So they taken the readings from the ninth step reading. So what that means is you've already worked one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight before yeah. you're getting those promises in your life that you're seeing, you know, and the, the not struggling and all of that, I think is after 10 or 11, it's after that, you know, so, so you've got all those things going on. So it's about getting in and working the steps, because if you look at step 12, it says we've had a spiritual awakening, which is what we all want is a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. So you don't get the awakening by just going to meetings because meetings are not going to fix you. Yeah. You get the awakening by working the steps, and normally that's with a sponsor. And so, uh, and what you start to do really in the steps is you you realize that you're powerless, that your that your thinking's insane, that you got to turn your will and your life over to God. Then you say, "How do I do all that?" Well, you do it by taking care of your character defects in four, and become willing and humble, and ask God to remove all that. Then. Then make your amends list, and first you clean up your relationship with God through your character defects, and then then you go and you clean up your relationship with other people in the ninth step. So you go through this process, and then you maintain it daily. So you learn the tools as you clean up the, the old things in life with a sponsor, and you clean those things up, and you talk about it. And once you do that, you learn tools that you can use when new things come up, because new things come up because it's life. Yeah, because yeah. this whole deal is not about changing the people around; just about changing you. So it's about making you to where no matter what's going on, you're okay with it. You may yeah. not be enjoying it, but you can be at peace. Because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change anybody else. No, right? No. I can't change, I can't change um, somebody's opinion or somebody's attitude. But like we spoke about this morning in our meeting, um, you know, it's not. What did you? <laughs> What did you say? It's not my job to shove the light bulb up their ass and turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, but um, it's 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 my job to to hold the light and be yeah. and and that's it and 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 do my part. And if yeah. it, if it um, if people see that for what it is, then awesome. You know what I mean. And and your part's going to invariably be something to do with service. Uh, uh, one of the hmm. being the. We're, we're talking the Christian side. I, I'll, I'll quote a verse. It's uh, Galatians 5 talking about your freedom. And it, and it says that your freedom, and this is a message version, says it really well. Uh, it talks about how your freedom grows. And they said your freedom does not grow by doing the things you want to do. I thought that's what freedom was, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it says your freedom grows by serving one another in love. So, and I think what the freedom is, is not the freedom to do whatever you want to do. It's the freedom from having to do what you want to do. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. That's where it's at, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so I think it invariably has something to do with service. It's something to do with doing for someone else. And, And that's a biblical principle that I'd never hear talked about that much, where if, if you have a problem, if you seek out someone else with a similar problem, uh, to help, then there, there's a there's a principle of reciprocity is what it's called, where if, if you have a problem, you, you seek out someone else to meet their need, and then your need will be met. Yeah, it's, so, and, and we, we've had that conversation a lot, or I don't, um, even in the midst of the conversation, I'll come to you with something like, well, this is going down, or I'm feeling like this, or whatever, and then it's funny, because you, you, you bring that up a lot. Well, what I usually do is I go help somebody. It's like, it sounds so simple, but it really, it really does work. And when you, when you actually apply it, because what's the, either the spiritual side behind that is it helps us get out of ourselves. Number one. Right. Mm-hmm. But then number two, um, if we're going back to, to God, that's God's intention for us. Right. It's to help other people and live a life and- of, service and and it's plain really because jesus said do unto others as you'd have them do unto you Hmm. it didn't say wait till they do for you then do for them yeah it said you do unto others first without expecting anything i don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) that's hard but uh, but you're right you're right uh, but you know it's a service deal you know it's not a manipulation deal you know but but 
the thing is, we've got to take the action. You know, we've got to do the action first. And it seems like for me, and, and there's other throughout the word, there's other places where that's talked about. In Corinthians, it talks about that, that God takes us and through the bad times and hard times that happens, he brings us alongside others that we can help through those same hard times. So that ho- that principles at work, and, and I think that's, I mean, I don't know how many times I've had a had an issue, like a maybe have a financial issue I prayed about, and then all of a sudden God would send me somebody that I needed to give some money to. I'm like, wait a minute, I've got a need. I've got a need. It's not I need. Yeah. But I'm, my need is that I need to help them, so that I bring room for God. Because, like in the Beatitudes, it says, when we find ourselves full of care, we'll be cared for. Yeah. Same deal. Well, how Same. many how many times has that happened to you? And I know my homie uh, Josh and I had a good conversation a few weeks back about. Um, when like just that example you gave, I, you know, I was praying, I needed help financially. And then I'm now I'm supposed to give, you know, instead of receive, how many times does it happen where you, where you finally submit that and you, and you do offer it up. And then the, the tenfold return on that without expectation, um, Mm -hmm. comes back to you, you know, and, and it happens often, right? It happens often. I, I, I feel I'm always, I am always provided for. You know, and, and I, I stopped a long time ago uh, doing the trying to keep account. Yeah. You know, of what I gave versus what I got, because I have progressed over time, Shane, to where I really feel that everything in my life is a gift. So there's really no way to put dollar value on everything that I have. It's not as if I've, I'm in a bargaining relationship with God or or I need more money. So. I need, you know, I need to go give more so God will give me a hundredfold return kind of business. You know, I mean, it's not a tit for tat or, a, you know, that kind of a deal. Yeah. It's really more like, God, I offer this moment to you. Show me what I need to do. And if it's something I need to give, then I, but I always know that I'm taken care of and that God provides for me uh, like the three-year-old instead of the 30-year-old, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. like, because uh, I think we really need to narrow it back. I, I think God our dependency needs to be a three-year-old dependency, like a three-year-old with his father rather than a 30-year-old making a business deal and working with his father. Trying you know? to figure everything else out. Yeah. I, Didn't I, uh, go stars, you know, and all that stuff. I, I want to I share a quick story that, that it really relates to that very well, and I think it's a great example. Um, I think I've shared it with you before, but a buddy of mine, James, um, from, from our men's group a few months back, um, was ta- and you were talking about the gifts from God, right? Well, he had a coworker uh, who was um, really going through a rough time and he was losing his wife to cancer. And, um, you know, eventually they had had some conversations and, and uh, I, I think his coworker at the time obviously was having a tough time losing his wife, but he didn't, he didn't have that spiritual connection. He didn't understand it and he, and he wasn't, you know, but as it kind of un, you know, unveiled that situation, he started asking more questions to James and James said, well, eventually the time came, unfortunately, when his wife passed away. And um, shortly after that, they were sitting in the truck, you know, um, on some downtime at work and they got into the conversation again. And, you know, obviously he was having a tough time with just losing his wife and um, and going through that emotional state. And he kind of asked him, like, you know, what what can I do? And And James said, you know, what came to him and what he told him was that, you know, like, for for him, he looked at his wife and he looked at his kids as a gift from God. So they weren't his. It was a gift from God, and it was his job um, to serve them and 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 to do the things to provide for them and and that you know in that kind of aspect. Um, and and so, it, in other words, it kind of made sense to this guy after that. And he said that um, that I, I don't know how long it was afterwards, but he came back to him, and he said that that moment when he. Um, was able to kind of understand that it helped him, you know, immensely get through that grieving process and and understand it like that. So, I mean, I guess it is about perspective, but it, it also back to bring it back around what we're talking about, the importance of having um, of having a spiritual connection to something greater than ourselves, whether it's Jesus, whether it's a God, whether it's, um, you know, the rooms of, of AA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because uh, the the one thing that um, t- talking about that reciprocity again, I want to mention one more thing before we move on with that. Um, you know, that's the thing that Bill Wilson found out before the first AA meeting was that he got relief 
when he helped another drunk. Uh, he had a spiritual experience about six months before the first meeting in like 35, whenever it was. And, uh, and he started going to bars and pulling people off of bar stools and telling them how much they needed to quit drinking and started talking like all this stuff to people. I mean, this was what he did for six months and nobody got sober. <laughs> nobody. Yeah. And he was talking to his wife about it and he was discouraged and said, you know, he says, I'm doing all this work, but nobody's listening. He was going to bars. I think he was going to what they called sanitariums at the time where they put drunks, you know, and then, and, uh, they had really had no treatment and he'd go talk to him and nobody got sober. So he was and literally nobody, going out chasing and trying chasing to spread drunk. the word and trying to down. say, you need to get sober. Yeah. And his, and his, and he told his wife, I'm very discouraged. Nobody's gotten sober. And she looked at him and said, well, you stayed sober. And he and the light bulb went off. And he had. Wow. And he had never been sober that long for years and years, you know. Yeah. And so so it was like, you know, it's working because I'm sharing with someone else. It's right. back to that again, you know. So he got to Ohio, Akron, I think was where it was. And he was in a had a business meeting that fell. He was a stockbroker. And he had had a business meeting that had dropped. And he, uh, he wanted to have a drink. So before he went to the bar to have a drink, he stopped at the phone booth and started calling. I think he was calling churches was where he started calling, uh, looking for a drunk to talk to. Outside of you know there was uh, outside of that, he wanted someone he could talk to. Yeah, uh, is there anybody who's drunk there? Uh, can you get him on the phone? I don't care. Uh, <laughs> you have any drunks that you're friends? Any congregate? You know that's exactly what he was doing. <laughs> that's incredible. Could you imagine? I'd never take that much energy. Yeah. You know? yeah, but no. he knew if he could find someone to talk to. So eventually, I think the eighth, someone, one of the pastors, one clergy that he talked to told him to call this particular lady that may know someone. And so he called and ended up the next, he stayed sober that night. The next afternoon, he had a meeting. They hooked him up. She said, uh, yeah, I've got a, a doctor friend that's for sure an alcoholic that you could talk to. And uh, so she called and the guy was drunk, passed out at the time. He was a doctor. He was a proctologist, actually, there back in 1935. Isn't, yeah, isn't that the back. butt doctor? Let's not go down. Let's not oh, go down that road. Dude, I could go down the butt doctor all day, but okay, thank you for stopping. <laughs> anyway, me. but uh, I drink too. But uh, you know, but anyway, gosh. <laughs> he, uh, so he sobered up the next day, and um, he he went to meet with a guy, and he told his son, and I heard his son say this actually before his son passed in a meeting, uh, in a at a convention. And he told him, he said, uh, son, just wait on me. I'll be 10 or 15 minutes and I'll be at 15 minutes and I'll be back. So they met and he, uh, he was a lot older than Bill. That's Dr. Bob. He was a lot older than Bill Wilson. Uh And he told Bill, he said, son, he says, I've tried everything to stop. He says, there's nothing that I can, that that's worked. He said, I've tried church. I've tried everything. There's nothing. I, I, I'm just going to be an alcoholic. There's nothing I can do. And what Bill told him was, he said, listen, I'm not here to help you. I'm here to help me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. here to keep me sober, not to get you sober. Yeah. It was like it just shocked a guy, and they, they sat and talked all evening, and then Dr. Bob sobered up, you know. And I think he had one more drink after that, one more drunk after that, and then he was done, you know. So um, that that's the reason. And that's the reason why when you go to AA that – a lot of times they're so adamant just about alcohol, you know, that they don't want anything else in there. It's called singleness of purpose. Yeah. It's because you, you get, I, I get hope when I hear another alcoholic, I don't get hope for whatever reason from someone that has a pill problem or someone that has a sex problem or whatever else there is. I don't get the same hope and I don't understand why it's that way, Yeah. but it is, you yeah. know? And so, so that, that's the whole reason for that, uh, is because of that principle at work. You know, well, we're, and we're talking about serving others. And we talked about this earlier today. Um, and I really wanted to have you touch on it. If you didn't mind the importance of serving others, the importance of service. Um, and if you, you, you told me a, a story about, um, about a guy named Jim that you help out. And if you don't mind sharing that experience on, on what, what that's, what that's like for you. And then just kind of the, I know, I know we've already kind of been talking about it, but just kind of the, um, the, the mindset behind that. Uh, a few years ago, I really felt impressed that I needed to do more service, that I just was not doing enough service. And I think it was just God stirring me up, you know, that I needed to do more. And I was, um, so I just said, okay, God, I'll, I'll do more service. What do you have? You know? 
And I started going to a noon meeting that I don't normally go to that has newcomers because my meeting has more, uh, more seasoned, older AA folks. Let, let, let so, me, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I didn't preface something actually. So let, let me say this too, because this, I think this is a big part of it is that we had kind of talked about, um, waiting for those big moments in life, right? We're waiting for those, those, those huge moments that either we're going to find it or God's going to show it to us. And we have this huge, you know, thing. And, um, and, and then, but we forget about the little moments, right. Or the little things that may be even bigger than the huge thing. So I just yeah, want to preface know, that because I think it's important you. to point out. Yeah. And because, you know, I, I started going and I, I started looking for all these newcomers that I could take and change their lives. You know, that kind of yeah. thing was what I was thinking. Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm going to come, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm here, you yeah. know, where are you? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, uh, so God had to work on me on that. And what happened was he put a guy in my life that was an AA guy that was in a nursing home. And I found myself going and visiting him. I started visiting him and every week I started going and it's a, it's a little bit of a drive, 20, 20, 20 miles or so from my house. Yeah, that's a- so, so I run over to a neighboring town, uh, and, and I go, uh, I go and visit him. Then I started taking him to a meeting and, going to get Kentucky fried chicken like he likes and, you know, and having lunch and getting his groceries. And that was my Friday thing to do when I thought I needed to be doing real estate. Yeah. I found myself spending half the day, uh, in a neighboring town taking, taking care of this guy, yeah. you know? And I was like, this can't be what I need to be doing. I'm supposed to be doing bigger things than this, you know? And then, <laughs> then I, then I, I kind of heard the, uh, where Jesus talked about, you know, you love God, with all your heart, then you love your neighbor as yourself. So it was about loving the folks around you, not about going and saving the world or, mm. you know, something in Africa. It's about doing about the people around you, you know? So, yeah. so I started doing that. And then after a while, I, you have this thing, you check out a page you sign for each person. And I'd opened up to his page and look, and I looked and over the last year, I was the only one to get this guy out of the nursing home. No one else had taken him anywhere, you know? And I just teared up and I was like, God, I'm, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, it's incredible how, how you, you know, this is the most important thing I do all week. It's bigger than any real estate deal I do or anything else is what I come and do for Jim, you know? So I still do it. He's, um, he, he can't get out now and I go buy lunch and bring it for him, you know, and get whatever groceries he needs, you know, but, but I, I try to go every week and do that for him because, that's the kind of things that's important that we do. Um, and you know, sometimes those turn into something else, but it doesn't matter because even the outcome of your service is not important. You know, what's important is that we narrow it down to the day, down to the moment. And if I can submit my moment, I'm in and say, okay, God, show me your will and, and let me, you know, give me the power to carry it out, whatever that is in this moment. It's the only time I can do that. So I really have to try hard and, and I always benefit from from making it about whoever I'm doing, if it's business or if it's someone I'm actually doing real service for, uh, if I if I take them into consideration and say, what can I do for you rather than what you can do for me? Yeah. Then it usually works out the way it needs to. Well I think you know? that that even that story, and thank you for sharing that, man. I think it's a it's a great story and it's a great example. Um, and it really ties back even to the Dr. Bob and, and Bill in the fact that so not are not only are you are you serving by doing that, but you're also helping to keep yourself sober too. And I think that's, that's I mean, that's huge. Yeah. You know, and and if we can take that mindset that when we have a need, okay, who can I go help? Rather than looking inward when we have a need, if we look yeah. outward, yeah. I don't think we'll be disappointed. I really don't think we'll be disappointed. So I know I know we're coming up on time here. I just have one last thing I'd like to kind of wrap this up with. And um this kind of stems from um, uh, there's quite a bit of emails, especially around the first of the, first of the year, because there's a lot of people that make commitments and they they really truly want to stop drinking and they or they they want to they want to cut back or they just want to get they want to start on that path. And um, there's there's um, there's one in particular, and I'm, I won't say his name, but uh, you know, good guy. I've I've talked to him a couple times, and um, you know he he's it's the classic thing. You know, he'll, he'll get a couple days. He really wants it, and then he'll go back to it. Get a couple days. You know, he's got a family, got a respectable job. You know, doing the right things, 
Um, but just can't, you know, he can't seem to, um, you know, to, to, and he's asked me, well, I, I just can't, or he told me, I can't figure it out. Like, what do I do? So with your experience, um, you've worked with a lot more guys than I have, you know, one-on-one and, um, like, let's just, let's just role play here without the French made costumes and the, and the clown shit and the, the weird stuff. Right. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to envision you in that. Man. I don't want to either. That's disgusting. <laughs> um, I'm sorry I brought it up. Uh, but <laughs> let, let's just say, for instance, I came to you and I said, look, look, buddy, like, man, you know, I, I love my family. Um, I have a good job. You know, I'm, I'm just really struggling right now. I get a couple days and then, you know, sure enough, I, I'm, I'm weak and I go right back to my, my old ways of, of drinking. And um, it's really starting to get bad. It's affecting me at work. It's affecting my, my you know, um, my, my being as a dad, as a husband. Um, what do you kind of direct somebody? What advice can you give them? I mean, what, what can you offer them uh, to, to maybe get that process started of, of trying to, you know, have a spiritual awakening, I guess? Um, I would share with them how I did it and then let them gather from that what they may, you know, um, the only thing, the only thing I really know, Shane, is what worked for me, you know, so, so I, I, I would never, I I wouldn't tell them directly, you need to go to meetings, you need to do this, you need to do this. I would say, this is what I did. You know, I started seeking a spiritual solution to my problem. I started going to meetings. I got a sponsor. I worked the steps. Yeah. And in doing those things, I started seeing a spiritual change. And I got to the point to where I was willing to say, God, I want to be sober no matter what that takes. You, you've got to do this or it's not going to happen. And when I got to that point, I was able to start putting some time together. And I would, I would share it in more time than that, you yeah. know, in more detail. But but basically, that's what I would share with them, you know, and then they could gather if they said, oh, I don't want to go. I don't like it. That's fine. Yeah. You know, I'm just telling you how what what worked for me, you know, and uh, I, I'm sure it would work for you, too. I mean, I see it work for people every day, you know, so, yeah. so that's really the way I would a- a- approach that, uh, because really, you know, I don't know what's best for someone. And and for me. Uh, I had to drink until I was willing, you know, because I have people ask me too. I had a family member ask me, said, well, my spouse is drinking every day and wants to drink more. What should I do? And I said, just let them drink. Hmm. And they said, what do you mean? I, should I try to cut it off? Or I said, no. I said, make sure they have it available. <laughs> and they said, why? I said, what are you talking about? I said, listen. I said, nothing convinced me, if you're talking about from my experience, Nothing convinced me other than alcohol. No circumstances, no consequences. It was alcohol that eventually convinced me that, you know, that beat me into submission, really. Yeah. And, and back to back to Bill going to bars for six months trying to tell people what to do. It doesn't work. Yeah. And, and there's a reason, actually, that I, I brought that question up. Obviously, yeah. one, to try to get some insight for those out there who sure. might be going in that point. But also, um, working together, we've gotten to know, you know, to know each other a bit well. And I had a feeling that that's the way you would answer that. And I want to bring this back full circle right now because this episode is really about um, you know, the importance of a sponsor and do I need a sponsor and you know, how do I get a sponsor. That right there is a, a great example of the importance of a sponsor, of somebody, um, number one, to be real with you. And then number two, to help guide you, not to tell you what to do, not to, not to, um, you know, try to run your life. Um, but, but somebody who's been through it before and can share some openness with you. Um, such an important thing, man. And I, so since we're on the topic, man, I just want to tell you, um, I appreciate your time, you know, and, uh, the, you know, the, the amount of time that we've spent together and, uh, and, and getting to know, and I didn't mention this, maybe, um, I don't think I mentioned in the beginning for those out there listening who don't know, buddy's all the way out in Georgia. I'm in California. Okay. So we, you, you call it randomly or you call it a, a, a act of God or a stroke of luck. I don't know, whatever anybody wants to call it. Uh, there's a reason that we were connected in this. And um, I guess point being is when you put yourself out there, you too can find those connections or they will find you, I guess is a better way to put it. Yeah, exactly. You know, because I mean, we talk on Skype. 
and it and it works great. It mm-hmm. works great. I've never had anyone I've sponsored that hasn't that I haven't sat down with. But yeah, when you when you approach me about, it, I said, well, I've never tried that, but it should work. I talked yeah. to my sponsor about it actually, and he had someone he sponsored by telephone one time up huh. in New York, and I said, okay, I said, well, it should work, and yeah, I see no reason it won't, you know, and so, uh, but it's a uh, man, this is a great deal. I mean, the yeah. whole thing, because, because see, I stay sober by helping you and the other guys I help. And it, it is just reciprocal. The whole thing sure. is because it's all about making us useful. And this is the way we're useful is by the, the greatest thing I can do or any of us can do in my opinion is help somebody else get sober and help somebody else get that spiritual connection they didn't have before, you know? And I think yep. that's why we're here. You know, I think that's why we're here. Buddy, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate our friendship. Um, I appreciate uh, everything that you're doing out there in uh, the service work that you do. Any parting words uh, for the Sober Guy listeners, the Sober Guy community out there? Uh, the only thing I would say is back to what we were talking about. If uh, you know, if any of this is an issue for you, just offer it to God and say, what do I do with this? You know, Do what it takes to get me sober. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> and then just hold on. <laughs> Yeah. Because whatever comes next may not be pleasant, you know, yeah. because because uh, you you're driven to the point of where you'll become willing, you know, and yeah. so but but that's where it starts. That's that was the defining moment for me. So, uh, but no man, I appreciate you too, and uh, uh, it, it's all good. You can find more information about us at www.thatsoberguy.com. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Foundations Recovery Network, DXRX. Uh, Love to Sober Nation as well. Buddy, you are the man. I appreciate you, my friend. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you, sir.